Sea slugs are related to the slugs in your garden, but they've been evolving independently and adapting to the ocean for a very long time, so they don't look very much like them. And I'm a little biased, but I'd say they are far more beautiful than the slugs in your garden, so they suffer a little from their name. Um, but they're, they're actually, the slugs in your garden evolved from sea slugs. Um, so the sea slugs came first, and uh, they evolved from a marine snail, but the sea slugs have lost their shell. And so they've evolved to be incredibly colorful and to have a variety of other adaptations to protect themselves from being eaten because they don't have a shell to use to hide from predators. So they're very colorful as a warning mechanism to visual predators like fish, crabs, octopus that says, hey, I am poisonous, I'm dangerous, please don't eat me for your own sake, but also for mine, because if you can avoid getting bitten or nibbled on, it's a lot better than if you keep getting swallowed and spat out again. And it makes it easy for fish to remember, hey, I tried eating that thing that was bright orange once, didn't taste good, not gonna go there again. Good sea slugs play a diverse role in their ecosystem. There are probably 10,000 different species of sea slugs, but most of them are very specialized feeders. So each kind of sea slug will tend to eat one kind of prey item. And so they will both keep that prey item somewhat under control, um, but they can also coexist with all the other sea slugs because they're not competing for the same resource. So they contribute to the overall biodiversity of the ocean because there can be many, many hundreds of species in one area. And then they also contribute because they're feeding on things that most other organisms like fish and crabs are not eating because sea slugs can eat toxic prey where they can handle the toxins that most other consumers cannot. Why do scientists study sea slugs? Well, I think a lot of scientists, if they're being completely honest, are drawn to them for the same reason that underwater photographers are drawn to them, which is they're very charismatic organisms. They're incredibly colorful. And so they're visually just very appealing organisms. But biologically, they're also incredibly interesting because they don't have what I would call maybe a simple protection, like a shell or a spine. Instead, every species has evolved these very idiosyncratic different ways that they protect themselves, ways that they get food, ways that they find that food. And so every species has its own distinct niche and little quirks of their biology that makes them really, really interesting. And you could easily spend a lifetime, as I have done, studying one species and never stop learning things about it. And then there are hundreds and hundreds of other species out there. So it's very easy for a scientist to specialize on sea slugs, just like it's easy for sea slugs to specialize on the prey items that they consume. So how many... So there are both challenges and opportunities when you're studying invertebrates like sea slugs because there are so many undiscovered species and that's as true for sea slugs as it is for almost any other soft-bodied group of invertebrates. We have tremendously underestimated the true species richness in the ocean. So in California, there, when I was in grad school, we were told there are maybe 120 species along our coast of sea slugs, but in recent years, probably half of those species have turned out to actually be two species for every one that we thought was there and that had a scientific name. And so in general, um, whenever you look at any group of marine invertebrates, cryptic species, which are species that just were not recognized by taxonomists, are incredibly common. And so almost any time I look very closely at um, two species of sea slugs, at least one of the two will turn out to be multiple species masquerading as one thing, like one scientific name, but actually multiple distinct biological species there. And then the challenge for us is to figure out how many species are there, 
give them scientific names and describe them properly so that scientists can talk to each other and have names for every different biological entity that's out there in the ocean. I wish that I could maintain a large collection of sea slugs in my laboratory. When I was a graduate student, I had many aquaria filled with many different species of sea slugs, and I spent a lot of time keeping them going. As a grown-up scientist, I don't have quite enough time to do that. The challenge of keeping sea slugs in an aquarium is that because each species is such a finicky particular feeder, you have to have the right food item to keep that species of sea slug well-fed and happy. Um, but they are also so colorful that I think they would make for a very compelling visual presentation in any aquarium. So I would certainly think that any aquarium would um, be well advised to have sea slugs on display. But again, I'm very biased. I know aquaria that have had uh, transient sea slug exhibits. When they can get the sea slugs, they'll have them on display. But in terms of permanent exhibits, that's more challenging. And also the fact that most sea slugs are fairly short-lived makes them pretty hard to keep. Most sea slugs live less than a year, and so you, you would tend to need to replenish your stock fairly regularly to keep them going. So yeah. what you really need is an avid collector who will yeah. just keep bringing you sea slugs that you can put on display for the public to enjoy. Well, when